Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin AC, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. This is Ryan Finley, and I still have to make sure I look over there and I read the name right. I don't want to disrespect my new boss. So many episodes with Jay Posner, former sports editor of the Union Tribune, who I assume is playing golf at this moment. Ryan, you and I are working, and I am getting ready to be working a lot because spring training starts next week. The first look, I'd say... There's probably 20 guys there already, but the first, you know, mandatory reporting date is, is Monday, February 13th. There are four different reporting dates uh, this year uh, because of the WBC by the 21st. The 21st of February is the first full squad workout. Ryan, your first Padre season as sports editor. I know you're excited. I am. I am. I'm very excited. It's strange, you know, looking at the WBC and all that that entails. Kevin, how many times are we going to see the opening day lineup in spring training? Ten. And that goes okay. to you have the first week and you have the last week. Um, I, really good I would think maybe not the opening day lineup the first week, but you will see the big names uh, the, the first week. And then yeah. when they come back. So, look, let's just go ahead and assume the Dominican Republic is in the uh, WBC final on the 21st of March. That gives That's you – that gives you a little less than a week. They get a travel day. It gives you like five games at the tail end of spring training for Juan Soto, Nelson Cruz, uh, Manny Machado to, to get back with the team. Possibly Japan's in the final, and you've got uh, Yu Darvish. I would assume Japan's probably at least in the semifinals, so he's going to have you know no more than a week uh, to, to be with the team. It is, to me, I mean, there's, there's quite a few storylines, even for this team without – without a lot of uh, questions about the roster or positions. Uh, it, to me, is arguably the main storyline. Yeah, I mean, th- to me, that's one of the big questions, Kevin, is you're going to get to see a lot of these sort of fringe guys up close and in big situations in spring training. I mean, is this the the spring of uh, Tirso Ornelas? Is this the uh, – I mean, who, who are we looking at here? Who are some of these young guys who might actually step in and get some at-bats or pitch some innings in spring training with everybody gone at the WBC? Well, it would have been Eggy Rosario. He would have got a lot of work, uh, say, at third base uh, had he not broken his ankle in in winter ball. You're going to see a lot of Brandon Dixon. You're going to get to see Matt Carpenter, who obviously is going to be on the roster, who is going to be sort of your primary uh, designated hitter, uh, what we think, uh, based on the fact that he'll face right-handed pitchers, which you see more than the left-handed pitchers. But you're going to see him at first and third be able to get work. Here's the deal. Jake Cronenworth is the only infielder that – will be around the entirety of spring training. The rest of the infielders, Andrew Bogarts for the Netherlands, and uh, Manny Machado for Dominican Republic, Hassan Kim for uh, South Korea. You've got your new shortstop and your new second baseman, Hassan Kim, sliding over to second, who are only going to get, let's say, two weeks. Look, they're probably already over there exchanging, you know, uh, flips and and, and and relays and stuff. Um, and they'll get some time. They'll get some time at the end. Like Manny Machado said, this is a – it's a good thing because very few people are going to begrudge these guys the opportunity right. to play for their home country. And it's obviously – very important to Major League Baseball. Look at the U.S. team. It was, you know, uh, the U.S. won the last WBC. Uh, that was great for the WBC. The Dominican, uh, so many incredible players. It's very important for them to have their stars in the WBC. But the fact is, they're not with their team, which right. is what they're being paid millions of dollars uh, for the regular season for. 
Then Xander Bogart said this past Saturday at FanFest, and you're going to hear a thousand times this spring, these guys have been playing baseball their entire lives. It will be fine, but it is a big challenge. And you are going to see Brandon Dixon, David Dahl, um, Adam Engel, uh, you're going to just uh, – Jose Azokar get, getting a real chance to solidify what are probably two bench spots. But it's guys who are vying for the two bench spots that are available. It's what you would have to think uh, that you're going to get to see a lot. Look, anybody who's been watching the Padres for uh, decades, this is nothing new for you. We used to, I was thinking, you know, going into spring training, I got all these stories on Xander Bogarts, Juan Soto, uh, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., it used to be doing a deep dive on the Jose Perella. All right. So <laughs> you're still uh, there. There's still a lot to pay attention to this spring trading. Kevin, I'm always reminded of a guy named John Roscos. And I'm <laughs> sure he comes up as a cautionary tale every year at spring training. He was a guy who just torched it, right? He was an outfielder, power hitting guy, torched it one year at spring training. And do you know what that meant in the real world? Absolutely nothing. And so I, I think, you know, again, spring is, it's a chance to observe and a chance to get up close to these guys, but ultimately the results don't mean a whole lot unless you're Fernando Tatis. So coming off of multiple wrist surgeries, a major shoulder surgery, and a PED suspension, he is unable to play in the World Baseball Classic because of the PED. So he will be there the whole time. Yep. couple thoughts. Number one, where is he playing? And number two, how often do you think he's going to be playing once they hit Peoria? Right field, primarily, also designated hitter. Look, the guy hasn't played in a year and a half. Um, I mean, that's just the way it is. He got some rehab games in, I guess. We shouldn't uh, forget that. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's on a rehab assignment in double A uh, when he was suspended and he headed back uh, to San Diego and, and you know, had the surgeries. I think they're going to be careful with him. The, the fact is, not only has he not played really in a year and a half, he has a history of injury. It is so important. I mean, everything that you're banking on, like, yes, depth. Yes, four superstars uh, in your lineup, at the top of your lineup. But Fernando Tatis Jr. is so important to the next step. I'm not saying that if one of these guys gets hurt, that's what it's all about, right? They should be able to absorb a major injury like the best teams are capable of doing. But he's just so important. So health is paramount with Fernando Tatis Jr. And so that'll be big in spring because here's the deal. He's prob- uh, he can start a rehab assignment on April 5th, I believe it is, uh, 15 days before he comes back, which is April 20th, er- first game of a series in Arizona after he misses the first 20 games of the season. So you have eight weeks, eight and a half weeks to get this guy ready. So Used to the outfield, yeah. You know, um, it is interesting. We can talk about this, but like – Left field, right, Juan Soto. Juan Soto indicated um, the other day that he prefers to play one position. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that he wouldn't play right field a little bit in spring, um, you know, because there are those first 20 games. How do they – what do they think their best alignment is? And, look, if you can play both, this the name of this roster is versatility. The name of this lineup is versatility, right? All the shortstops they have, guys that can play all over the place. Heck, Bob Melvin even mentioned Ha-Sung Kim at first base. So – You've got so many options, but I think that you see Soto in left to get him used to playing there like he did early in his career. And you see Fernando Tatis Jr. Sure, get some stuff, at, uh, get some, be ready at uh, in the infield, especially since you're going to have so many opportunities for him to play there. But you're going to see Fernando Tatis Jr. in the outfield. Do you think Tatis could play a little short in spring? 
just because Bogarts is going to be gone. That's what, yeah, there's that opportunity and you might as well. And who knows what's going to happen during the season. Um, I think they have so many options at shortstop. And while I do think that people have somewhat forgot how good Fernando Tatis Jr. is, like there's this danger of counting on him too much, right? Because of the history. Mm-hmm. And then there's this like, you know, out of sight, out of mind and forgetting that like every other game, I'm exaggerating slightly, there was some milestone that Fernando Tatis Jr. was surpassing. Why why risk him there at shortstop when you have so many other options? But yes, to get some work there, sure. And, you know, people tend to think, I'm just trying to think of this through sort of my prior life as a follower of the Padres, not necessarily a, a guy involved with covering them. I think your average fan tends to think that, that position changes are permanent, right? Just because Fernando Tatis is playing the outfield this year doesn't mean that he won't play shortstop next year if Manny Machado opts out or third base. I mean, this is something he or is Xander Bogarts moves over to second. Yes, all right. sorts of things. Right. He is athletic enough and young enough that, for the most part, he can play wherever they want him to. I think we all can tend to forget that. What is best right. for the Padres in 2023? Right. What is best for the Padres in 2023 is having creating pitching depth, maybe, w- where there is none right now. Uh, two names that jump out at me heading into spring here, uh, a righty and a lefty. You're looking at Seth Lugo, sort of a career swing guy, if we're being generous, uh, with the Mets. And then you're looking at, at Adrian Morahone, who... I think in any other year might might have a little bit more attention on him heading into spring. If he wasn't on a team of superstars, maybe he would be the next big thing. What are the expectations for both of these guys as, as they hit Peoria? Well, uh, Adrian Morhone is coming off TJ surgery. I believe it was something like 34, 35 innings last year. So the expectation is that he will make some starts, or I should say the expectation slash hope is that he will make some starts, but the jump can't be that great, right? I mean, 100 innings would be amazing out of Adrian Morahone. Seth Lugo hasn't thrown 100 innings since, I think he threw 101 in 2018. He threw 65 innings last year. So trying to make him into a starter that goes, you know, 110 I mean, yes, he's a veteran, but like there's only so much. I've racked my brain of where do they get the 900 innings or even the 800 innings out of their starters, right? Last year, the health was remarkable among the starting pitchers. And it was in relation to the rest of the league. They got, I think it was 904 innings out of their starters. And there was some guys that made one start apiece. And the rest were made by seven guys. Mackenzie Gore, Mike Clevenger, Nick Martinez, and uh, Snell, Musgrove, Darvish, Manaya. Hey, say what you will about Manaya. Something like 19 quality starts, 150 innings. Those are gone. All right? I mean, this is a this is a big deal. I, I don't know where they're getting these innings. Um, and I, have, I find it incredibly difficult to believe that there's not a pitcher – There's not going to be a pitcher added. AJ Preller, who has been relatively quiet this this offseason. Zero trades. As you and I have discussed, the first time that he's not made a single trade in in an offseason. I I do believe that there are possibilities on their in their uh in their system. Yes, they have depleted a huge deal has been made about them having depleted the 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 known players, the top players in their system. No question about it they can still make deals for an innings eater type of pitcher. And I would fully expect that that will happen. Could it be someone on the roster? I suppose. Um, But number one, T 
teams prefer to trade for prospects. Okay. Right. Uh, that's the current economic situation of baseball teams that are giving up pitchers are not contenders. And generally speaking, and teams that are not contenders generally aren't spending. They don't want a major leaguer, but there are some cost effective players such as Jake Cronenworth, uh, maybe an Azokar, um, I don't know how attractive all those are. I'm a huge Jake Cronenworth guy, but uh, I don't know how attractive those are and what those would get you or whether the Padres want to give up guys like that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit, I'm sure, about the bench, but Azokar, I think the bench is going to be great. Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter, uh, Adam Engel, but Azokar is like your athletic guy on the bench. I, I just think that like this is a good roster. Don't tinker with it. That said, something's got to be done to get another pitcher. I don't care if Seth Lugo is everything they expect. It's not 150 innings from Seth Lugo. Sure, sure. What are the A's and Nationals doing? That's my question. I, I just go uh, go bug them. It seems like every trade is uh, one of those two franchises unloading bigly. Ryan, is it cool if we talk about the, the bullpen? Oh, my gosh, of course. Okay. Um, there are six guys that are going to be in there, all right? And everybody knows who they are. I think there's only two spots, and that includes a swing guy, a Morajone. Um you know, we, when we didn't talk about the starters, are they going to go with five or six starters? And either way, I th think there's only room for two more pitchers. One of these guys um, is a, a, a Reese Kinnear, Ryan Weathers. I mean, this is a big spring for Remember Ryan Remember him? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the guy, Jay Groom, that they got for uh, Eric Hosmer. Jay Groom is a guy who's ready to come in and make some spot starts for you. You're going to hear a lot about organizational depth. From the Padres, as AJ Preller tries to sell you on the fact that he's okay with his with his starting uh, pitchers that he has now, he's going to talk about. And it's true. Last year they were fortunate to have this remarkable health uh, with their starting pitching, their pitching overall. They were able to go with like six relievers sometimes because they had seven starting pitchers going at, at one point there uh, mm -hmm. for a long stretch, uh, early middle part of the season. This year. They're going to have to rely on a Jay Groom for two, three, four starts. Reese Kinnear to be one, two starts, be a swingman that comes up. Um, look, there are only six possible – there are seven good teams if you count the Brewers in the National League. So it's just like last year. The Padres mm -hmm. have to absolutely mind-blowingly blow it to not make the postseason, all right? Right. So there are times you can you're playing a team and you can get some of the you can get your starters rest. Go with a five man mm -hmm. rotation and bring up guys to start. And I think a lot of these guys, Brett Brett Honeywell, I think that Pedro Avila, I guess, mm -hmm. um, guys that can come up. And I don't think that you're automatically conceding a game. They right. didn't have that last year. I do think that's better, but I do want to reiterate, I don't think they can go without adding a, a starting pitcher. As far as your uh, relievers, it's your six known guys um, who Suarez, Pomerantz, that's assuming Drew Pomerantz is healthy, um, Luis Garcia, Josh Hader, Tim Hill, Stephen Wilson, and then Craig Stammons here as a non-roster invite. By the way, the mm -hmm. roster will be announced uh, probably in might be announced while we're on the podcast here, while we're doing this live on, on Wednesday morning, late Wednesday morning. But uh, we'll know all the non-roster invites. But you got, what the heck happened to Michelle Baez? Big spring for him. Big spring for Jose Castillo. Uh, there's a Rule 5 guy named Jose Lopez uh, that could be um, – that's the first time what they've got a rule five guy in like seven years. Uh, they used to be the rule five team. Uh, mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot of uh, candidates for those couple spots, but I got to tell you, barring some sort of injuries, I don't think there's a lot of spots available. It's how do they use those pitchers to get the required innings that they need for this season? Sure. D two of those names that jump out at me, Kevin, and, and I just want to learn a little bit more. You know, one of them is Brent Honeywell. He's a guy who is obviously a very big deal as a prospect. 
injuries have derailed him a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a guy, didn't he go like a thousand days without pitching? And surgery time. after surgery. It's amazing he, how, how long he's been around and how little he's pitched. Yes. But I mean, he's one of those guys, right? The Padres of seven or eight years ago, these were the kinds of guys they were picking up every year, right? Five, six, seven guys. You hope one of them hits. And no, again, and one of them, if three of them hit, man, they could possibly be, you know, a good, good team. And uh, yeah, okay. Right, right. And then Jose Castillo, again, he is the unfortunate recipient of one of the weirdest injuries of all time, right? Didn't comes back. I mean, Kevin, you can speak to that a little bit. Came back from a flexor tendon in August of, was it, it was 19, I believe, or maybe it was 20. Anyway, it, it 20. all runs together because in 18, this guy was incredible. Uh, one of the better left-handed relievers in the league as a rookie. Um, he had starred for the W or he had pitched very well for, uh, for uh, Venezuela in the WBC in 17. Um, it's like, wow, the Padres have a really good back end guy. And then bizarre injuries, uh, comes back from the flexor tendon injury, throws two thirds of an inning and uh, hurts a tendon. And I forget the it's a sprain or what he required a surgery, uh, but uh, a tendon in his finger. And that was it. That's the last we have heard from him. Uh, and so this is a guy with major talent who fortunately for the Padres, they don't have to like, count on anymore because they have so many other arms but yeah i'm i'm very intrigued by him yeah definitely definitely another name that makes me a a young guy and you know it feels like he's been in the mix the last two three years is luis campus and and the catcher position austin nola obviously was bob melvin's um catcher of choice last year throughout the playoffs even though he didn't really hit well every single somebody right every single inning during the playoffs they lost some trust in Jorge Alfaro there. It seems to me like this is a time to either work Campusano into the mix or find a new position for him. Am I being dramatic? No, I think that's one way to put it. This is uh, his time to to step up. Uh, there is a split in the organization uh, as to who should be the primary catcher this year, and we might see it evolve. There is zero doubt whatsoever that Austin Nola comes in and he is the preferred catcher of most of the pitchers. Hugh Darvish, that's the guy who caught every one of his starts. Blake Snell, yes, worked with Alfaro. Toward the end, it was all Nola. Uh, Yes, Joe Musgrove, I mean, very magnanimously uh, and effectively worked with Campusano. Look, um, his his preference, I I, I think, uh, I'm not speaking for Joe, would be to, to work with Austin Nola. Is that a slight on Campusano? No, no, no. Um, He's still a very, very young player. But the fact is, there are many in the organization who believe that he is ready to be the primary catcher. Does that mean 90-72? Does that mean 162? Uh, You know, who who catches uh, more? And then how much more do they catch? Uh, That will be what we'll find out during the season and during spring training. You get to see Campusano's defensive improvement, his uh, ability uh, uh, to concentrate throughout the the course of of a game, uh, to call games uh, effectively uh, in the seventh inning uh, as he is in the first. I mean, he's a young guy who has a lot to learn. Bob Melvin puts a lot on his catchers. Um, So, yeah, this is a... Uh, it's a huge year for for Campusano. Not like in, oh, career's over. Oh, yeah, he'll definitely change positions. But, like, you know, this has been a bad offensive position for the Padres for a long time. Austin Nola does need to be better. We talk about versatility being a real strength of this team. One of the most versatile guys on the team is actually Austin Nola, right? He's a guy who came up as an infielder. He's played all over the the infield, the outfield. Is it possible at all that Pedro Severino could make the team that the Padres would carry three catches? Sure. 
Sure, I'm glad you brought up Severino. It's it's possible. I don't think so because there's really only like two bench spots available, right? Um, and why would you do that when you are you have a, a faction of the decision makers that are expecting a lot out of Campusano, and you have a faction of the decision makers that trust and would at this point prefer to go with Nola. So I, I you've got two guys that are going to play a lot. So I and and so given the two things, the, the composition of the rest of the bench and the the fact that there's a lot expected out of Nola and Camposano, I, I don't think so. But we'll see Pe- uh, Severino a lot in spring training. Sure. Speaking of spring training, and I think we'll wrap on this. It's going to be really the first chance for you to see some of these new rule changes. A, what do you think is going to be the most noticeable one to the average? And B, does having an infield with four shortstops help? A, pitch clock. It's the one I'm most excited about. It has a chance. Look, the, the shift um, gets uh, gets all the the, the, cr- the headlines, right? I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yes, yes. Really. I, I don't right. think it's that big of a deal. Other than that you can't have the fourth outfielder, I think there's some guys that are really going to feast on that. Guys mm-hmm. who pull the ball, hit the ball hard to that spot where, like, you know, Manny Machado played a couple of years ago. Last year it was Cronenworth. The second baseman generally goes back, goes out there. Um, I do think um, that it helps the Padres. But getting back to what's the biggest one it's that pitch clock and and kind of the components of that. So 15 seconds between pitches when nobody's on base, 20 seconds in between pitches when a runner is on base. That's a big deal because a lot of guys are taking plus 15 and plus 20 in those situations. But the big thing, two disengagements from the mound per plate appearance, unless a runner advances. So let's mm-hmm. say there's just a guy on first. And I'm on first, you're up to bat. While you're up to bat, the pitcher can only come off the uh, off the rubber twice. Wow! Did you, the the third time the runner's awarded a base. Wow! Okay, that's going to affect base running. That's going to affect um, pitchers how their 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 mentality. That is going. They're going to um, a lot of guys are going to have to try to uh, perfect or get a lot better at the slide step, uh, mixing up their times to the plate to throw the runner off. You're going to get into strategy about the the second time. After the second time, do you waste the second throw over there? Because then the runner knows that you can't go come off. Um, I mean, this is going to be a, a huge deal. And I am thrilled because I kept seeing these um, AAA. I get all the emails of their, their box scores. And you would see these 14 to 12 games played in two hours and 40 minutes wow. in AAA with the, with the clock. And I think the, the clock that major leaguers are using this year, the Major League Baseball is losing, you get a little more time. Mm-hmm. But but not much, and it's a it's huge, and it's going to be huge in the later innings. Josh Hader to only have 15 seconds or 20 seconds with a runner on base. Um, a starter like Joe Musgrove or you Darvish to to have the same amount of time in the sixth or seventh inning that they're working when they generally slow it down versus mm-hmm. the first inning. You know when they're it's pretty natural to go quicker. Sure, I think that's going to be huge, and so to to see it worked on. Uh, in drills and then to see it implemented and worked on during games in spring training. That will be one of the bigger storylines. I know the beauty of baseball is its timelessness, but as somebody with deadlines, I appreciate a fast. You're I, I done it. Yes. I can't tell you. Um, <laughs> it certainly was not with us in mind, but given that we're there every day and, and it is affecting writers, especially writers for newspapers that obviously a lot of our work is, to the web, but we do have deadlines uh, for the newspaper. It is going to be credible. 
you may get over the course of the season, you may get like a full day. Right. If it's, um, <laughs> let's say, I think it was back up to three Oh five, uh, last year, which was down mm-hmm. like a minute from an all time wow. high in 2021. All right. Wow. Let's say it's just 10 minutes off of the average. And I think it might be more. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I really do. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I tend to think that some of the estimates on how sh- the shift will help, uh, batting average on balls in play, batting average overall, uh, or exaggerated uh, right. because teams still can put a guy, they can shift their guys right two right. on each side. Plus like I, like you asked and we were um, because I think you knew the answer. I think the Padres are <laughs> counting on the fact that their four shortstop uh, defense will, will help them. Teams are pretty smart. I don't think the shift is going to be that big of a deal um, for most players, but the, the pitch clock and then, Hey, by the way, there's four and a half inches Less between first base and second base. All That's the right. bases are bag. bigger. Yeah. Right. So you combine that. Here's where I think that comes into play. What's four and a half inches? Well, there's bang bang plays where four and a half inches is going to make a lot of difference. But the bigger bag, how many times is a guy safe at second slides over the bag? Yep. yep. They, the bat, the base went from what 15 inches to 18 inches. I, I just think that that that's going to help these guys in terms of staying engaged with the bag. I think that I think a couple of these rule changes are are a pretty big deal. It's a it's got to be the most massive shift uh, in baseball ever. I mean that we know about, right? Other than them juicing the balls, uh, <laughs> or, or, that we're that we're t- it's the most massive shift that we're talking about. Be, uh, balls and bodies uh, being juiced aside. As a baseball dork, Kevin, I love this stuff. This is. To me, I mean, a, a an extra four and a half inches on a bag, being able to change the course of maybe a game or a week or a season, love that stuff. It's fantastic. Should we call it here? We're we're just under the 30, 30 minute mark. Yes. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Kevin, when are we going to do this again? And will you be in Peoria when we do it? I will be in Peoria when we do it. I think that a uh, good time to do it maybe right before the first workout, which is the 21st. So either the end of next week or the beginning of the following week. And then during spring training, Ryan, what we do this uh, once a week. And then obviously, just uh, as we always have done here on the Hot Lava Podcast, the beginning of every series during the regular season. Fantastic. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. We will see you next time. Take care, everybody.